Hey, what's up? Joe McCall, REI In Your Car podcast. This is part five of the One Deal series that I'm doing for the One Deal case study that if you've not heard about, what's wrong? What's going on? I've been talking a lot about it. I'm excited because this is a case study that will change your life. It's going to help you. In fact, you know what? I'm going to pay you to take the course, learn how to do the right marketing, how to talk to sellers without any kind of pain and hassle and headache, how to make simple, easy offers, and how to do deals, make a lot of money, change your life, right? So here's the crazy thing, guys. If you just do one lease option deal a month, one lease option deal a month for three years, now I know three years is a long time, but it's just one deal a month. Your typical normal standard lease option deal, just one a month. You're going to have over $10,000 in monthly cash flow and over a million dollars in equity. Do you think that might change your life? Do you think you might maybe have a little less stress, pay a little bit, some some of your debt off, save some money for retirement? And like, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how educated you are, whatever. If you're a man or a woman, kid, senior citizen, like anybody can do this and it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. That's why I'm doing this one deal case study because I'm putting into your hands an incredible strategy that can you can you can use to control property, real estate, without using any of your own money, without using your credit, without taking over anybody's mortgage, without going into debt, without even using any money, that's yours. You can buy these houses, control them, and make 30, 40, $50,000 profits on them. Uh, and you know, in the, in, in the same time, make two, three, $400 a month in cash flow. It's a great, great business. And it's called lease options, right? So in this one deal case study, I'm gonna show you how I do lease option deals. And I'm kind of going through this series where I'm showing you one main marketing channel, one script to talk to sellers, one offer that you can make. And it's pretty it's pretty insane, pretty life-changing. If you want more information about this case study, go to onedealcasestudy.com, onedealcasestudy.com. If you go through the material, you implement what I teach you step-by-step, step, give me a video testimonial showing me what you've done. You don't even have to do a deal. Just show me what you've done and how you set it up and done the marketing and made the offers, et cetera. I will give you your money back. And why am I doing that? Well, it's an investment in you my most valuable assets, my customers. And it's also a way that I'm hoping that you can bring me some deals. If you can bring me some deals, we can partner on it, both make some money together. It's a win-win-win. So let's talk about making the, we, well, we talked about making the offers. Let's talk about the contract because I just have one simple contract that I use. And in the past, I've used many different contracts. In my courses, you know, I've shown you, my students, I've said, all right, here's here's a contract you can use for this and here's a contract you can use for that. And, you know, if it's if this is situation situation or scenario that add this addendum or add this special assignment or whatever. And I'm simplifying all of that. Now, you can never get away from having multiple different documents you have to use like seller's disclosure or lead-based paint or a lease and an option agreement. But I've combined it all into one really 
simple, powerful lease option contract. And I'm going to talk about that and tell you what it is. There are certain elements that every contract needs to be valid. First of them is a meeting of the minds, right? So you need to make sure that both parties agree. You know, they meet together in their minds somehow, wherever that works. That's called the meeting of the minds, right? There needs to be a signature. There needs to be, it needs to be dated. And uh, there needs to be some kind of consideration. And consideration, I don't know exactly how to define that, but it needs to have some kind of money exchange or some kind of valuable like-for-like exchange, which means, you know, you could, instead of, it doesn't have to be money, a cash, it could be a car. But there needs to be some kind of uh, consideration made. So in the past, I have done what's called a short offer form, and it's just a really simple one-page contract for a lease option deal. And I've still, I still use that. I typically mainly use that for my lease option assignments. But when it comes to sandwich lease options, I'm going to be using in this case study, a two page document, which has a lot more detailed information. in it. And the thing I love about it is, hold on a second, I got to figure out where I'm going here. The thing I love about it is it really spells it out in clear, simple language, the sandwich lease option and how it works. Okay. And it combines the lease and the option together. So it's one contract about two pages long, and it combines all of the lease and the option agreement together into one contract. And you may say, well, wait a minute. I thought the lease and the option was supposed to be separate. Well, it is on the the contract that I have with the tenant buyer, it's separate. With the tenant buyer, I have a separate lease and a separate option agreement. But with the seller, it's just one document, right? When I'm using a contract with the seller, I want it to be more pro-investor, right? When I'm uh, doing a contract with the tenant buyer, I want it to be more pro-investor. So you got to think about it in terms of what's fair, right? Obviously, it's got to be fair, but you want to make sure that it's Well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just that you want to make sure that you're using pro-investor contracts, right? You don't want to use contracts that are heavily leaned in favor of the seller or the buyer or whatever. You want to try to use a contract that's more heavily leaned towards you, right? You making money on the deal. So anyway, I'm trying to say that without sounding mean or harsh or not trying to be fair, but that's just the way it is. All right. We're not running a charity here. We're, we're running a business that makes money. So the contract is very fair though. It explains exactly what exa- what's going on and how you're making your money and what the rent amount is, what the purchase price is or the option price, what the term is, how many years, if there are any rent credits, etc. One of the things that this contract does that's unique is it's it almost, well, it, there's two different ways you can do it. And I'll teach this in the one deal case study. You can put the number in there in terms of the price that the seller will get, or you could put it in there in terms of the amount of equity that the seller will get. So you could say the seller, I'll pay you $100,000 in three or four years for this property. Or you could say, I'll give you $10,000 for your equity for this deal. What does that mean? Well, um, let's say there's $10,000 equity in the deal now. You tell the seller, I'll give you your $10,000 in equity. But over five years, you may pay down that equity, pay down the principal of that mortgage, another $10,000, $20,000. Well, you get to keep that, okay? If you were telling the seller, I'll pay you, I'll I'll buy this house from you for whatever price in five years. All of that extra equity that or principal that you've been paying down that is equity that's building 
coming into the house will go to the seller. So why not try to make the offer where you can capture that equity? So there's different ways to do it. And you'll see that when you look at my contract. Now, what else does it spell out in there? It spells out on there that, you know, if there are any repairs that are needed below a certain amount, you'll take care of. If there's anything above a certain amount, the seller has to take care of it. And if they don't, then you'll take care of it and you'll fix it, but they will give you a credit equal to one and a half or two times the amount of money that you put in to fix it. Now, what am I talking about? Let's say there is a, um, you know, there's a, the, the furnace goes out and it's, you know, for whatever reason, it costs $5,000 to replace. Well, you should probably have a extended home warranty that you can get every year for maybe three, 400 bucks and that can cover it. But that's kind of a thing where, you know, the owner of the home has to fix something that expensive. Or let's say there's a hailstorm and now the roof is now leaking and it's caused a bunch of water damage and mold. Well, the owner of the house needs to take care of that. Um, now, hopefully they have insurance and they will because there's a bank loan. The bank requires insurance. The insurance always stays in place. But So the insurance should cover that. This just covers you to say, listen, if there's something that I have to fix that's over a certain amount, like 500 bucks a month, then you have to pay for it and fix it. And again, if the seller's concerned about that, then you can do get an extended home warranty or recommend to the seller to get an extended home warranty. But you know, the contract covers things like that. And what else? If you're doing rent credits, it covers that the details of the mortgage and who will make the mortgage payment, what the mortgage payment is, and simple basic things like that. It also protects the seller. It says things like, you know, if you default, the seller gets the the house back and you'll pay them uh, any damages. You know, you'll give them the house back in its normal, in its as is condition, uh, normal wear and tear considered or something like that. So anyways, it's a real fair contract. It's easy to read, easy to understand. When you actually sign, when you find a good tenant buyer that you put in the house, you're going to have a separate lease and a separate option agreement that you're going to sign with them. And this one, again, will be more pro investor because it's going to make sure that you're protected. Now, for example, the original contract with the seller gives you the right to record the option contract in the county records, which you want to do. You want to record that option agreement in like a memorandum of option or an affidavit of interest in the county where the property is. That's definitely required. However, when you are in the contract with the tenant buyer, you don't want them to cloud the title. So you're going to expressly forbid them to file a memorandum of option in the county records. Now, you may ask why. Why is that doesn't sound fair? Why would, why would you do it but not let them do it? Well, here's the problem. Uh, if you have to evict the tenant or if they move out, you're going to have to remove that option because it's clouded the title and it's going to be very difficult to get a tenant to cooperate with you and sign a document to remove that option agreement or whatever. So it's just not allowed. And you can note that or put that into the contract. Let's see what else. That's pretty much it. It's, it's pretty simple, basic things. It covers insurance. It covers the price. It covers, you know, the, who's paying the closing costs, what county or title company is the closing going to be held in, et cetera. The notice, you have to file a notice and within a certain advanced number of days to exercise your option, all that good stuff. So anyway, uh, it's a real simple contract. We cover that in detail in the one deal case study. So again, go to onedealcasestudy.com to get more information, to see the contracts. There's other things, you know, you, you're going to want to fill out a seller's disclosure statement, lead-based paint. I like to fill out a, um, a, a limited power of attorney that lets my attorney force the sale if we have to in three or four or five years when it comes time to buy the house. 
and flip it. There's a memorandum of options. Sometimes I like to get a an authorization to release information so I can get information on the loan. Um, I also might file a letter, send a letter with the owner's signature to the mortgage company that says I'm managing the property. It's a letter appointing management. All of those other simple things you can, it's pretty easy to figure out and I give them in the course as well. All right, so that's all I got. All right, the next podcast, I'm gonna be talking about one simple way to market and advertise your properties. Okay, we'll see you guys.